Hey, it's friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Wednesday. How are you, my friend? I am amazing. This is our amazing Wednesday show, right? So, yeah, I'm doing this is right. This is not only our amazing Wednesday show, but this is as close to a full half hour of Tales of the Paranormal uh, as we have done in some time, I think. Um, you know, well, we, have we ever done a full show of uh, Tales of the Paranormal before? Uh, I don't think so. It's always been kind of a segment, and, uh, and this this may be the first show we really just go all out on it, right? So we're going we're we're having some fun tonight. Okay, I mean, you might count our Jim Elvid shows as kind of full length Tales Tales of the Paranormal. Maybe not, but I uh, guess they, I guess so. Yeah, those those might count as that. But for those who aren't longtime listeners, we used to do a segment called Tales of the Paranormal, where we would dip into subject matter that's a little less mainstream than what we usually talk about it and of course when you know what we usually talk about that's saying that's you know some pretty out there stuff but but we would we would talk about you know ufos or bigfoot or x-files type type topics uh things things that fall into more of the conspiracy theory or uh, new age or i don't know what's the word i'm looking for cuckoo out kind there. of <laughs> yeah, out there thank you uh, uh subject matter so so tonight we're gonna we're gonna skim the edges of that um, and maybe dive right into it in a couple of a couple of instances. But we'll let we'll let you, the listener, be the judge of of where that line is as we as we explore these very interesting stories. And we'll start with this first one: NASA revives weird life forms trapped inside crystals for sixty thousand years, raising hopes of finding alien organisms in space. Now, actually, the only thing tales of the paranormal about this particular story is that the headline talks about weird life forms trapped in crystals and alien organisms in space. The fact is, this is a completely true story. They did find, they did find life that was 60,000 years old that was in these crystals, and they did get it going again. So, in fact, this is just actually a pretty amazing, it's more of an astounding science fact for old-time listeners than it is a tale of the paranormal. Uh, my well, my quip uh, you know, when I posted it on Facebook was that this sounds like the beginning of a horror movie, right? When you <laughs> when you hear that, that it, al- it also uh, sounds like something that the uh, the lady at the antique store was trying to sell me on a few years back. Uh, that there's uh, there's that there's life force in these crystals. Well, there you go. Sell me, right? So yeah. So there's your, there's your connection to tales of the paranormal. But Ex- it really exactly. was. It really is life force in these. So. Um, so they're able to break into these crystals, get these ancient life forms that are like 60,000 years old. Now, are we talking about single-celled organisms primarily? Yeah, we're talking about microbes. Yeah, we're, you know, yeah. bacteria-type stuff. And, they, uh, and then they started culturing them. That's, that's Brought great. them back. So what this, what this, the, the reason this speaks to the hopes of finding alien organisms in space is you truly can achieve some kind of remarkable biostasis, at least for single-celled organisms, inside crystals. So it's possible that we could find life living in crystals out in space. It's also possible that we could send life out into space that way. It's also entirely possible that life has reached this planet that way 
at least once yeah. or twice uh, over the yeah, years. We, that, we, we, that, we were, that we've been seeded in a way by yeah. crystals, uh, you know, coming, coming in from space. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, we, th- we, think about, we think about life if it showed up here in one of those panspermia scenarios. If life came from out there somewhere, it came on a comet sitting in some water. You know, that's, that's how I would tend to picture it, but maybe not. Maybe it, was embedded in, maybe it was embedded in some crystals and we're all descended from some life form that spent, who knows, a billion years in a crystal traveling from another galaxy. Now, that's Tales of the Paranormal right there. Okay, start. <laughs> we, we found the link. We, uh... Yeah, <laughs> when you start going there. But, but uh, keeping with it, I know we've got, we got a lot to cover tonight, and I really want to get into the second one because we talked about it a little bit yesterday. I'm not sure if it was before the show or did we get into it on the show, but uh, Fingerprints of the Gods. A little both. Yeah, okay, a little both. Fingerprints of the Gods. Tell us about it. Okay. Uh, Graham Hancock uh, is the author of Fingerprints of the Gods. It's a book that was published in 1995. And uh, back, it it was probably the late 90s, I I had a copy of it and uh, read it uh, for the most part, kind of skimmed it and uh, thought, well, this is fascinating. This is interesting. And then just sort of put it aside. And and then um, like 20 years later, uh, um, Graham Hancock publishes in uh, 2015 uh, the sequel to the uh, Fingerprints of the Gods. And that, that book is Magicians of the Gods. And uh, so I, um, I got I listened to it on Audible, and, I mean, it was almost like I, you know, I couldn't get up from it. You know, it's one of those single-sitting almost um, things. And then I said, well, I've I got to get back and, and, uh, and, and read uh, Fingerprints. So, uh, you, know, you know, ran through Fingerprints of the Gods as well. And um, I'm going to tell you, Phil, it's pretty tales of the paranormal, some of it in some ways. Uh, uh, it, it, the central thesis, though, is, is pretty is pretty believable. Um, what it, what Graham Hancock is is talking about in these two books is the fact that uh, you know what uh, civilization sort of arose simultaneously, like from nothing in Egypt and in in Mesopotamia and, and Asia, all at the same time. And and, no and in fact, we did about talk it. about that on a show not too long ago. We did make mention right. of that a very interesting fact. Yes. And it's and it, you know isn't it convenient that it happens so you know uh, almost simultaneously and uh, and 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 it was like there's no transitional period there, you go from nothing to you know a pretty high civilization for the ancient world uh, overnight almost and uh, his central thesis is this is that it's it's legacy uh, there is a culture or a, a civilization. Uh, that was uh, mostly wiped out uh, in, in a catastrophe, and the remnants of that civilization seeded themselves throughout the world. And uh, and so, what we have uh, in those in those ancient cultures are a legacy of of that culture. And you know, you can call it Atlantis, you can call it whatever you like, but uh, that's that is what uh, you know you know is referred to in the in the flood myths throughout the world. Um, you know, is, is a remembrance of the catastrophe that uh, brought down, so, you know, that civilization and uh, and and brought about a rebirth eventually, in in places like Egypt and uh, uh, places like Gebeki Tepe in uh, Turkey and other places like that. So where, where civilization it. just emerged. Okay, so question: What evidence is there other than the emergence of these other civilizations for this? pre-existing civilization is there are there any artifacts is there you know any language are there ruined temples or cities or scraps of writing there, or you know there are, 
there are some remarkable similarities uh, uh, between uh, the um, the um, architecture uh, in places uh, like Gebeki Tepe uh, in Turkey and in the New World, uh, um, you know, uh, in South America. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, people have long commented on the fact that uh, you know we got pyramids both in Egypt and and uh, and in the New World, right. Um, and, and, and you know, and, and in Babylon and the, they built that tower that wasn't that far from being a pyramid. Really, it just wasn't as good. That's right. But same kind of idea. And, yep. there, and there's some weird uh, uh, anachronism. Anachronist, I'm, I'm missing my word. But anyway, the point is anachronisms. There, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Anachronisms. There's some weird things like uh, um, you know statues in the New World of, of people that obviously have uh, African features and Caucasian right. features, things like that. Um, just and uh, and the uh, these knowledge givers that you know or whatever magicians uh, sages whatever you call them are um, pictured in much the same way in the uh, uh, in in various in various places they they uniformly had uh, long beards uh, with uh, they come to a point uh, they wore a type of garment that was like a robe but uh, it looked like it had scales on it uh, almost like fish scales it was uh, it was a there's just some, you know, there's some strange uh, uh, things that, that that tend to show that there's been some links uh, in the past to, to these things. I, I really found it interesting and fascinating. Uh, these these books, um, um, and I, I would say that the second book is is uh, is probably better. It's not just a uh, an update of the first. I, it's it's it stands on its own as a as a as a great book. If you read the first and uh, I uh, didn't know whether to get the second and thought the first was good. You're going to like the second one at least as well as the first one. So, Well, uh, I wonder um, – another question. I, this, this raises all kinds of questions with me. Why, uh, why posit a former civilization? Why not go with the Eric Von Daniken Chariots of the Gods theory and say that, that aliens came and did this? What's the uh, – is, is it just that this is more Occam's razor, um, you, you know – Practical, credible, kind of a kind of a theory, or is there something well, p- pointing to I, what? What I found compelling about it is that it's it is believable. I mean, uh, yeah. So ima- imagine, you know, how would how would a uh, civilization like Egypt, looking back on say these human founders, okay, that came out of nowhere and had technologies that no one had ever seen before? What, how would you describe them? Well, gods or or something like that, right? And so. Um, you know, the, these, these gods of Egypt, you know, um, Osiris and things like that may have been historical figures, according to this, uh, to, uh, uh, Graham Hancock. He's saying that, you know, these, the, it's, it's, uh, it's likely that they were humans that just had technologies that blew everyone away, that they didn't, they didn't understand. And, uh, and so, and, and, and the sad thing is that, uh, while they did preserve something of their culture, if, if this is true, uh, then the, they preserved something of their culture that the majority of what that culture was is completely lost to us. I mean, right. we just, you know, it's just a hint, perhaps, that, that they were there. And, and, and uh, how far does the author think they got? Uh, you know, were they, were they as advanced as we are today or more advanced? He, or he, doesn't, he, he doesn't really go into it. He, 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 uh, he suggests that they may have, uh, may have been quite advanced. It put it, he said he put it to you this way: they had to be at least advanced enough to where they were uh, specialized in a in a variety of ways, and that's why their civilization um, was nearly destroyed 
versus other civilizations are, uh, you know, more primitive people. Um, if if uh, some huge catastrophe happened today, it's the it's the highest cultures that would be most in danger. Uh, right. And uh, and and those who the, the cultures that would survive would be primitive people because why? Because they don't have the same interdependencies that. Uh, that the developed world has. Well, we've talked so, about how an EMP could completely bring our country down, right? I mean, the, right. The, the, it, it could and, destroy and so, our civilization, right, in a way that it wouldn't have been able to 100 years ago, but it could now. If you get, if well, you, the more, the, what he puts, posits as the thing that brought this civilization down is a, a comet striking the uh, ice cap. Of course, this would have been uh, during the, you know, the last ice age. Right. And of course, uh, um, what happens if, the com- if a comet strikes that ice cap, you know, to bring it into the ice age? Um, you know, uh, if, you, if you have a, uh, a civilization that's mostly col- coastal, it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to be destroyed. Uh, it's right. going to be, uh, the water rose uh, overnight and, uh, you know, just completely uh, destroy the, that culture. And, and there, there'd be some, maybe some ships that survive, but even, even few of those. And so, um, you know, that's and, – and to the extent that, uh, that any of them uh, were able to get away and then go to other places, it would be to places that are, uh, that are high and above, uh, you know, the normal uh, coastal, coastal areas, and that would be places like Egypt and, uh, and maybe the New World. So it's, it's a fascinating idea and, of course, accepted by nobody in mainstream archaeology. <laughs> uh, he's sort of a uh, – so, you know – He's sort of a persona non grata, and uh, and whenever he shows up in, in these places, but um, you know he's he's got an interesting idea, and I find the central thesis compelling. That uh, we we think we know everything there was about human history and uh, and civilization, uh, but there's uh, you know there's there's there was plenty of time. Uh, before, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, from the time of the arrival of modern humans on Earth, right. there could have been, you know, you, you could have had four or five uh, advanced civilizations rise and fall in that period of time before you get to Egypt. Well, you it's know, true. I mean, yeah, when we talked about when we talked about this before, we didn't we didn't talk about this exact scenario. But the fact is that we don't know how much we know about the past. We know right. who left good footprints, and we know a lot about the people who left good footprints. But, you know, there might have been a really advanced culture built out of bamboo and using paper, right, that just is gone yeah. now. You, you know, that, that it's not like a pyramid that sticks around and, and leaves other traces that it was there. There, 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 could have been some, there could have been some really advanced thinking going on, a lot of stuff going on that just got completely swept away. Or... As this, as this author suggests, maybe stuck around in, uh, in slightly different form. Well, it's very interesting, and Stephen, very out there, too. So, yep. uh, you know, congratulations for, uh, you know, keeping <laughs> it weird. Bringing the weirdness, right? Well, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and it's fun. It's fun. It's, uh, I, I do recommend these books. Uh, the, um, if, and if you don't know which order to uh, read them in, don't worry about it. Either one's fine. You can read the second one and go back to the first one if you like. So. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to check it out. I, I will check out uh, Magicians of the Gods and Fingerprints of the Gods, which you said are available on Audible. So I'm they are. That to so my, you can listen to it while you drive, right? <laughs> my listening cue. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. How about this now? Scientists are building a DMT machine that will help them quote talk to aliens. All right. This okay. Is, um, here's the real paranormal stuff uh, now, right? 
Yeah, I just want to read a little a little section of this, if if you don't mind. I, I, bear with me because this is a uh, this is a really good post uh, over at therooster.com, which is a highly entertaining blog that I highly recommend to everyone. But uh, so here's the rooster, whatever this individual's actual name is, explaining DMT. See, when DMT is smoked, often in high school basements, college dorms, and estates in Silicon Valley, it makes you quote see weird dancing characters, animals, cartoons, aliens, and elves. Some people say it makes them astral travel to new worlds. The people who see these things aren't crazy. Anyone who vapes enough DMT will see those entities too for five crazy minutes. However, Arenberg, talking about the scientist doing this research, like thousands of others, believes the things people see on DMT aren't just hallucinations or imagined characters in a strange dream. He thinks they are real. Now, that sounds crazy, but we've had no less than our good friend Jim Elvidge on this show talking about this very idea, right, that perhaps... Um, uh, perhaps DMT and other hallucinogens are, in fact, lining people up with some completely other plane of existence, right? Some other plane of reality, opening up your perception to that different level of existence and bringing people into contact with those things. So, uh, okay, it's a crazy out there idea, but it's not a new one. We've actually talked about that before. What's interesting here is they're, they're actually working on kind of creating an IV drip to keep somebody in a sustained DMT high long enough to establish contact with the beings that, are, uh, that they run into in the, uh, in the alternate universe. Now, Stephen, we were talking the other night about probabilities, zero probability uh, uh, you know, outcomes and so forth. Uh, what do you think are the chances that they're going to actually reach aliens uh, trying something like this? Well, uh, you know, um, it's, not a, it's not a zero probability. Hmm. It's a non-zero <laughs> probability. Yeah. It's a non-zero. It's not. It's a non-zero probability, but it's pretty darn close to zero. I would say. I would. Uh, our our brains are. are we are um, wired to see faces. That's why you know. It's why we you know see the face on Mars and you know uh, uh, see the Virgin Mary in in in, uh, in a piece of toast you know or whatever. We just we just see faces uh, in. In randomness, and um, it's just the way we're wired. We're we, we're we're you know wired to pay attention to faces, and uh, and so we you know when someone's high, they uh, you know they got faces everywhere. It's uh, it's not that it's not that surprising. Um, and 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 it, it the Occam's razor would you know would mean well is it just a product of their brain or are they uh, are they in connect, you know contact with some alien race. Uh, you know, a thousand light years away, I'm going to go with it's a product of their brain. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's just me. So that, that, what do you think? Uh, you, you put any likelihood at all on this? I mean, what, I, what I will not rule it out altogether. Um, put it that way. I, I think if, if this is the way that's built into the universe for us to communicate with other beings in the universe, then the designers of this universe are wacky, okay, and have a, <laughs> a, a, a really wicked sense of humor, all right, if, if, that's, if that's really how this whole thing is set up. However, I will say that, that people who talk about DMT and, and, and a few of these other drugs like it, but especially DMT, they talk about this profound experience that they have, which, granted, you know, occurs as a chemical thing in their brain. So, you, you know, you, you can't rule out, in fact, you want to immediately go to, okay, well, it's just this drug makes you feel like you're having a profound experience. But what they describe as a profound experience 
it's more than just seeing faces. They really believe they're interacting with other beings. They really believe they're they're traveling to other places. And you know, the fact that it's that vivid and that compelling, of course, is what makes it such a great high. I guess if you're if you're looking for that uh, for that kind of thing. But but it also it it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if if is it possible that something is happening there other than brains playing tricks on themselves and. Um, I think probably not. I think it's probably all a chemical thing happening in the brain, but I would be very intrigued to see what happens if someone is on for, you know, instead of a five-minute trip, takes like a two-hour trip. Actually, in the article, it says five hours. I fear for what would happen to that individual, actually, because I yeah. wonder if you might end up in some permanent state, right? You might end or, up or, you know, insane or, or catatonic, uh, you know. Uh, I advise care. <laughs> Be careful, guys. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think they really need to ease into that IV drip. Whoever ends up being what's referred to as the Neil Armstrong of drugs, the Buzz Aldrin of tripping. Okay, whoever gets this thing uh, hooked up to him. Uh, yeah, let's 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 step very easily into this because that is uh, uh, that's a very risky thing. But it's interesting, um, and. I think definitely they should continue doing research around hallucinogens. They should definitely continue doing research around DMT because it tells us a lot about, you know, if it is giving people these profound experiences and we have these profound experiences in other settings, right, it tells you something about how we're wired and it, it tells you something about how the brain works. So I think, I think research definitely should continue around these things. This particular research well, it's out there. I guess that's the uh, that's the operative words for for tonight, right? It's uh, it's way out there. It's out there. Well, yeah. LSD uh, and and other hallucinogens like like this, um, there, there's there's a lot of evidence that uh, um, in a clinical setting, uh, if if given for you know in certain situations, it can have it can do people a lot of good, and uh, and it's been it's been put away for so long because of you know, the way it was abused uh, back in the 60s, uh, that it's, uh, uh, that it, you know, it, it's a shame because it turns out it's, it's, it's something that uh, really can be profound for people that are experiencing um, end-of-life fear and things like that. Right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it allows you to kind of connect with the cosmos in a way that makes you not, you know, uh, well, I'm, I'm dying of cancer, but it's, it's per- perhaps I'm going to, you know, my soul is going to be okay. That's right. that's that's pretty uh, you know that's a pretty profound thing for somebody uh, at that point at that stage in their life. So, um, maybe, maybe, and I uh, and I've read right. where it's it's been very effective treating depression, uh, post traumatic yeah. stress. That there 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 are certain conditions that are very resistant to conventional treatments that sometimes are really responsive to to these hallucinogens. So yeah, for for all those reasons, I think it's it's good that they that they you know keep seeing what benefit can be can be derived from them for sure. Right. Right. All right. Okay, now, if there are creatures out there, here's maybe where they are. Okay. So if, if, if the DMT is going to put us in touch with anyone, here's the headline, Does Dark Matter Harbor Life? And this one, again, is actually, uh, you know, on the out there scale, it's about a six. Okay. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not a nine. But it's, it's, it's interesting. This was uh, over at Nautilus, and... The discussion comes down to how varied is dark matter? You know, we know nothing about it, obviously, by definition. We can't observe it. We can't see it. But the big assumption about dark matter up to this point has been that it's all diffuse and it's all one kind of thing. That, yeah. you know, there's, there's light matter 
the stuff the stuff we occupy, which comes in all different forms, right? A wonderful variety of particles that make up the matter that we live in and gives us a universe. And what this author is suggesting, and I think it's a really interesting notion, is that, well, maybe there are just as many or nearly as many or more different kinds of dark matter. That dark matter might have the same complexity that light matter does, and therefore that the kind of structures that we have might exist in dark matter, obviously not you know, accessible to us. We don't see them. We, we don't have any way of, of accessing we that. Don't interact with it. We don't interact with it hardly at all, do we? We just, we just see the effect of it, correct? And so, yeah. Well, yeah, through calculations, right, through, through like math. That's, how we, <laughs> that's basically how we know it's there. Um, uh, you know, a, a, a few observations about how fast the universe is going and the math that makes that make sense tells us that all this dark matter is there. And that's about it. That, that, is, that is the extent of our observation of it. But if it could, you know, the, so, so at that point we become very speculative, but if it could have that level of complexity, if dark matter could be as complex or almost as complex or more complex than regular matter, then there's no reason why there couldn't be whole universes of dark, you know, galaxies of dark matter out there, universes, planets, civilizations existing inside dark matter right under our noses, as the author describes, and we'll never know it. Um, there's apparently no way that we'll ever know about them. And, and, and an interesting question is, would they know about us? Would they, you know, is it a two-way street um, that we can't observe them and they can't observe us, or are the rules different over there in the dark matter universe? You, you, you start thinking about that and you go, well, I don't know. You, you scratch your head a little bit. But, but it's interesting to think that we spent all this time talking about the possible universes we could live in and whether quantum computers are suggesting that there are alternate universes when in fact the universe that we know we only know about 10 percent of it and the other 90 percent is completely sealed off from us and a complete enigma to us uh could it could could be hosting life could be hosting civilization we don't know and we may never know so <laughs> here i'm going to posit this that the uh, dark matter phil has a goatee I really ah. hate that. <laughs> and he's still okay. He's still basically okay. Whereas, yeah, that's right. whereas Dark Matter Stephen looks just the same, but he's really evil. See, that's the. <laughs> that's right. You got to watch out for Dark Matter Stephen. Really. That's the difference. And and Dark Matter Michael Darling's got a big scar on his face, so you know. It's, yeah, that's you know. right. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but Phil is super fantastic either place. So. That, that's right. Yeah, just you know, he's kind of the. Okay, sidebar. Well, I can talk about that in other geeks sometime. Um, but somehow Spock is like central to the whole universe, right? The whole axis of connection between the regular Star Trek universe and the Mirror Mirror universe. You know, <laughs> sidebar. We've got to talk about that, that sometime. Yeah, <laughs> just like I am between us and the, and the Dark Matter universe. I believe that's what you were suggesting there. And, and uh, yeah, of course. I appreciate you saying the that. Pin, the linchpin. Um, <laughs> the linchpin. Kind, of kind of the linchpin. So, so there you go. Okay, there's some, there's some hidden mysteries for you folks. Um, we got life trapped in crystals. We've got a, a civilization that preceded all ancient civilizations that we know little or nothing about. We've potentially got people taking drugs to talk to aliens. And we've got the 90% of the universe made up of stuff that we have no idea what it is, possibly containing the very aliens that people taking the drugs are trying to get in touch with. I, I feel like 
if we <laughs> if we set out to do an out there show, Stephen, we did it. What do you think? I, I, I feel yeah, a mission accomplished. <laughs> Absolutely. No All right. Well, we're going to be back on Friday with another fun show. Not quite as out there as this one, but if we decide to dabble a little, uh, you know, it's our prerogative on Friday, and we'll be doing Other Geek. We'll have a very special guest with us. Rada Nilia will be with us talking about what she's been up to since writing her contribution to our book, Visions for a World Transformed. Look forward to being with you all then, and until next time, live to see it. <laughs>